0: Peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Our text today is going to be taken from the reading we heard in the book of Luke chapter 16. You may be seated. We begin with the word of prayer. Almighty Father, we give you great thanks that you have seen fit to call us into your presence. To come to us today by means of your word and sacrament to forgive our sins and sustain us into everlasting life. Today, O Lord, we pray that as we hear your word, you would grant us your Holy Spirit so that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, in Jesus' name, amen. In chapter 15 of the Gospel of Luke, we find one of our favorite chapters, one of the most beloved chapters in all the Bible. Because in that chapter, we have three of Jesus' most beloved parables. Two of those parables we heard last week. Parables being stories that Jesus tells to teach us about the kingdom of God. Uh, Two of those parables we heard last week. One was the parable of the lost sheep, and the other was the parable of the lost coin. A shepherd goes out pursuing a sheep that is lost. A woman searches her house looking for a valuable coin that matters a great deal to her. And both of them, upon finding that which is lost, bring it home and they have a huge party, a grand celebration to rejoice over the fact that that which was lost is now found. Following this then, we get the parable of the prodigal son, perhaps Jesus' most popular and most famous parable. You may remember this parable. It's the story of a young man who who rejects his father, receives his inheritance ahead of time, runs away from home, and squanders all all that he has in sinful living. In his guilt and his shame, he decides to return home and beg his father to become an indentured servant. But the father sees him a long way off, and he runs down the road, and he scoops the boy up in his arms, and he clothes him in royalty, and he forgets all of the son's sins. The son can't even finish his, uh, his, his, uh, his, his cry of repentance. The father forgets all of his sins, and he throws a massive party to celebrate the return of his son, who was lost and is found, who was dead and is now alive. The only one who doesn't enjoy this party is the older brother of this son to whom the father goes out to as well and finds him in his own sin and his own self-righteousness and invites him to come in and enjoy the party too. The father shows grace to everyone. And we love these parables. They, they, They fill us with joy and happiness. They surprise us and comfort us because we know what it's like to be lost And to need finding We know what it means to long for undeserved mercy. And then to hear that we have a God who who specializes in undeserved mercy. Who has shown you undeserved mercy. You being the lost sheep. You being the lost coin. You being uh, the lost brothers. Jesus has shown you that mercy and given you all of this forgiveness. And it fills us with joy and happiness and surprise and comfort. And then we come to today's parable which makes no sense at all we come to this parable today and if you're anything like me if you were listening to the gospel reading and you could get through the reading because it was apparently very difficult to read uh, you could get through it but if you heard the parable and you said to yourself what in the world is going on with this one you're not alone I think Pastor Matt and I have had more hallway conversations over this text this week than we've had in a long time. This one is confusing. The parable goes something like this. There's a man who gets fired for mismanaging uh, funds. He goes out and does some kind of um, shifty business work to make sure his hindsight is covered uh, when he loses his job completely. And the master sees what he does and says, you know what, that was good business practice. And then Jesus looks at you and says, go and do likewise. And you're like, I don't even know what we're talking about right now. What what is this thing? So we're going to have an interesting sermon uh, here this morning, I hope. Uh, Here's what we're going to do. We're just going to walk through the parable. And we're going to see if we can't figure out what Jesus is really after here today. And I hope that by the end, what we actually find is that we have here yet another parable that comforts us and surprises us. With the amazing mercy of our God. So let's walk through it. Here's how it goes. Jesus begins the parable this way. There is a rich man who had a manager. And charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And so he called him in and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management. For you can no longer be manager. Alright, so this sets the scene. Here we have Jesus telling his disciples a story of sin, of guilt and of judgment. A manager ha- a master of a field, a master really of a lot of lands, we should probably say, has uh, an employee who's not doing his job. He has sinned against the master. The master is a landowner and his estate agent in some way, in some manner, isn't doing his job. We don't know exactly what it is he's done wrong, but we can see that just like the story of the prodigal son, uh, this manager has squandered the master's wealth. And so the master fires him. This makes a lot of sense so far. But there's a couple of things to be aware of here. It is interesting to note that we in our own cultural context probably don't fully grasp what's taking place uh, in this fire according to the rules of the day according to the laws of the day the master is actually showing this man a good deal of mercy now he's he's failing at his job so he's not going to get to keep his job but according to the rules he could be thrown in jail he could face capital punishment for what he's done. There's a great deal of severity that could fall upon uh, this dishonest manager that doesn't come his way. The master simply lets him go. So you could say that to a certain extent, the master has shown him some mercy. But now the manager nonetheless is still guilty and still a sinner. He still stands judged and he looks out on his situation and he realizes it, it seems kind of hopeless for him. So what does he do? jesus goes on the manager said to himself what shall i do since my master is taking the management away from me i'm not strong enough to dig and i am ashamed to beg i have decided what to do so that when i am removed from management people may receive me into their houses so summoning his master's debtors one by one he said to the first how much do you owe the master he said a hundred measures of oil he said to him Take your bill, sit down, and quickly write 50. And he said to another, How much do you owe? And he said, A hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, Take your bill and write 80. All right, so here's what's going on. The man realizes uh, that he is in no shape to do manual labor, and he is far too proud to beg, and soon he is going to need a place to live since he's been removed from the master's residence. So what does he do? Well, before the word gets out that he is fired, he goes to the debtors of the master and he tells them to cut their debt. So the first guy who owed a hundred measures of oil, he cuts it in half. This is basically taking off three years of taking three years of debt and cutting it in half. So the next guy he takes away a fifth of what he owes and really when you do the math on all of this or when someone else who's smarter than me has done the math on all of this uh he is saving these people years and years worth of income he's doing them a huge favor he goes out to the debtors and in the name of the master shows them mercy he acts like he's still employed by the master and he shows these debtors mercy. Now, notice this. He does this in the name of the master before word gets out that he's fired. And we know he does this that, uh, before the word gets out that he's fired because he tells them, act quickly. Write this quickly. See, the reality is, is if these people had known he was fired, they wouldn't have given him a single dime. What are you doing this in the name of the master for, they would have said. You don't work for him. We're not giving you our money. But he does this before word gets out. He represents, he says to them, the master. And he decreases their debt. Now, this is going to accomplish a few things for him. First, when word does get out that he's fired and he has no place to go, the people will look at him and they'll say, you know what? He tried to help us out. We're going to help him out. And they would give him a place to live. Perhaps they would give him a job. The second thing it does is this. Is it makes the master look pretty good he makes the master look awfully generous and awfully gracious and awfully merciful and see so he goes out and says uh, that in the name of the master these debts are being cut and the people are going to begin to love this master they're going to begin to honor and praise this master for being so kind and so generous now you say that doesn't make a lot of sense Because what happens when word gets out that he's fired and he did this sort of uh, in a dishonest way? Won't the master be angry? Here's the key. The guy is banking on the fact that the master will show mercy. He's banking on the fact that just as the master was merciful to him before by not having him thrown in jail, he will be merciful again. He will be merciful to the debtors, looking at what the, mass, uh, the, the dishonest manager has done, and he will say to those debtors, you know what? I approve. And they'll be off the hook. And he's banking on the fact that because he is a merciful master, he will see what the man has done, and he will bring him back into his house. He's banking on the mercy of the master, trusting that ultimately he will be gracious. And it's a big risk. the risk of faith. But it turns out, He's right. I mean, we look at what this dishonest manager does, how he goes out and he cuts these debts, really with almost like no authority to do it. He cuts these debts, and we're surprised. But we're completely stunned when we see the master's response. It is one of pure mercy. He says, the master, uh, Jesus says, the master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness, his wisdom, and his judgment. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light, And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into eternal dwelling. All right, it gets harder. Notice here why the, manager, why the master praises the manager. It's not for his dishonesty. It is for his shrewdness. It is for the judgment he makes. He judges that the master is going to be merciful. And so he acts in trusting that mercy. And it turns out, you might say, his faith is justified. He's right. The master does show mercy. And he commends him for his shrewdness in this judgment. But then there's more. Jesus then commends you and I to imitate The shrewd master not because of his unrighteous work not because uh, he does something sort of uh, in, in a dishonest way but he commends us to act in faith this is what he says again the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light it's as though jesus is saying this if the sons of this world know how to achieve the right ends in dishonest ways, if they know how to bend the rules, if they know how to work the system and play the game with unrighteous uh, practices, how much more should you, you children of light, do it in the right way? How much more should you live in light of mercy? How much more should you show mercy because of the mercy you have received from God? How much more should you do it in the righteous way again notice what the man in the parable does trusting the master to show mercy he shows mercy in the name of the master if he does this in an unrighteous man how much more should you and i and all of the baptized do it in a righteous way maybe we could put this make this a little more concrete remember where jesus is when he says this parable in the Luke chapter 15, just before this, we find Jesus eating, having company with tax collectors and sinners. And the Pharisees, the self-righteous lovers, oh there we are, the self-righteous lovers of money, they look at Jesus and they condemn him. They judge him. They say that Jesus is being unrighteous by spending time with these unrighteous sinners. By spending time with these people who owe God such a great debt because of their sin, they could never pay it off. And Jesus says, listen, I'm going to these sinners with this debt in a way that is more righteous than the unrighteous manager does. The unrighteous manager, uh, the, yeah, the unrighteous manager shows up and what does he do? He cuts their debts in half. Jesus says, I come in the name of the merciful master, not to cut the debt of sinners in half, but to pay it in full, not just to cancel the debt, but to pay it with my own precious blood. Jesus says, I've come to make friends by means of my righteous work with these sinful people and these sinners welcome me in and are forgiven and redeemed and saved. So he says to his disciples, you go out. And you show that same kind of mercy. Because I've shown that mercy to you. Jesus isn't an unrighteous manager showing up on behalf of a master who runs a lot of fields. He is the righteous manager who shows up on behalf of the God who has created heaven and earth to show mercy to sinners, to forgive them and redeem them. So then, you children of light. How much more should you show mercy, love and forgiveness and grace to a world bound up in unrighteousness and sin? How much more should you show up with the righteous wealth of heaven, the forgiveness of sins in the name of Jesus Christ to give to those who are bound and dying in their sins? After all, you you have received the undeserved mercy of our gracious Lord. You are the lost sheep the good shepherd has carried home you are the coin the lost coin that the woman rejoices over you are the prodigal sons whom the father has gone out to to bring into the party and you are the debtors to whom jesus has showed up and paid the entire debt for your sin by his grace alone in other words you have been given all the treasures of heaven by god's grace it is yours for free it's yours So that if those who deal in righteous wealth, excuse me, if those who deal in unrighteous wealth know how to show compassion and mercy in this world for selfish reasons, how much more should you, who belong to a God who graciously gives you all things, show forth mercy and grace in His name to this world? After all, the same mercy and grace He's shown to you. Amen we pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for difficult parables. We give you thanks for your mercy, that your son Jesus has come and he has paid our entire debt. And we pray, O Lord, that you would make us bold to go out and show that same forgiveness and love to the world, knowing all the while that your mercy and your forgiveness belong to us. Help us, O God, to act in faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.